Welcome to Unlocking Leadership. I'm Claire Carpenter and I'm your host. Well, I'm joined today by Damien Jacobs. Damien is the chair of the Trailblazer Group for the Data Technician Level 3 Apprenticeship Standard. That sounds extraordinarily difficult. Tell me more about that, Damien. Who are you? How are you landing today? Thank you for joining me, first of all. Lovely. Thanks, Claire. So, yes, it does sound a lot, doesn't it? Trailblazer Chair for Data Technicians. So, in the world of apprenticeships, when they brought in some of the reforms and changes Going back to 2013, we moved away from frameworks and moved into standards. And one of the biggest changes that we had was how those standards were created. So the Department for Education, or I think it was BIS at the time, wanted to work with employers rather than sort of like uh, academics or people who thought they knew what it was, but they wanted to reach out and work with employers. And that's where trailblazers and apprenticeship standards came from. And I was fortunate to get involved in the early days Back in 2013-14 in, in Involved, I sort of worked on a level six degree apprenticeship, supported that, and many apprenticeships in the digital space. Roll forward a little bit more, I became involved in T-levels, which are obviously seeing some education reforms for 16 to 18-year-olds. And through the work I did on the T-level, there was a requirement to develop a data technician. And that led me, as part of that group, to become the chair. So Really, my responsibility was to work with a group of employers to actually create a new standard. And the greatest thing was, is when we started to do the work to create the standard was that people wanted it. And that's what we did. So we created a standard which sits on the Institute for Apprenticeship and Technical Education website and is available for delivery across England. Okay, let's just bring the whole trailblazing piece to life a little bit more. I mean, that creates a sort of image for me of breaking through boundaries, you sort of crashing through a jungle with a machete and thinking about doing something sort of new and different. What was important to you about that? Why were you attracted to it? I think it was the bit of actually taking Department of Education, the Institute for Apprenticeships, and working with employers, but also having that thought of, and I've been fortunate to work with apprentices as well, to actually think, right, let's put the employer lens understand the Department of Education lens, but also the apprentices' aims is what they want to get out of a standard as well and get something that works, something that they want to do. Employers want them to do it because they're interested in it, and it meets a lot of the requirements for the Department of Education in building the workforce for the future. So that was certainly something that appealed to me, that it seemed the right way to do something. So some of the language that you're using there in terms of thinking about the work that you did with the Department of Education and working with employers to build a standard in the apprenticeship that the employer will be interested in. But then at the end of that, you said, and also it's that the apprentices are interested in. Some of our subscribers might think that we're talking here about school leavers or young people entering higher or further education. And it's more than that, isn't it? It's much more than that. Yeah, I mean, apprenticeships, one of the greatest things is that receptiveness of the Institute and sort of education reforms opened up apprenticeships for all ages. The apprenticeship standards are available for all. Um, and that's one of the great things. And I've had the opportunity to work with people who've retrained, taken themselves from, I think someone was a DJ once and actually moved into becoming a data analyst technician. So there are opportunities. And I think if you want to do it, you can start at the different levels. And obviously the levels range from two through to seven. So you can go from entry levels of what would be maybe typically a school leaver, but then they use these numbers. And then anyone listening, 
it took me some time to understand the different levels. And then as employers, you have to sort of do some of the conversion to actually think. So level three, which is the data technician standard I work with, it's really what we talk about is like an A-level qualification. And you move up to the fours, the fives, the six, digital technology solutions. That's a, a level six which is a degree, and there's the master's degree at level seven. So there is a range, and apprentices can do one level. I've worked with colleagues that have done a level three, and they've moved on, liked the way of learning, liked the way of earning and learning, being able to go into the workforce, did their level three, thought they'd like to go even further, and they've progressed and actually done the level six. So there's options, and depending on what level you do, it gives you options to move into the other categories as well. So I think it's just options for all. And if you want to just do the one, that's fine. But if you want to do more, there's more available. Yeah, how interesting. And so can hear how passionate you are about this as a subject. What is it about the world of data and data analytics or this data tech space that has driven you to work so hard to bring this into being? I think it's just that the data is everywhere. Data is in pretty much everything we touch. And it was trying to separate out, yes, it's a digital apprenticeship standard. It's in the digital category. But the relevance to so many employers, nearly all employers will have touches on data. Anything they're doing will be data driven. And my passion has been to get that out there to as many people. And one of the great things we did, there was a level four data analyst standard and there wasn't a level three. Some would look at the level four and think that's a bit too much. I like to do some things with data. I'd like to manipulate it and do it, but I don't want to go that far. So what we did and working with the Trailblazer Group, which was made up not just of large employers, but also subject matter experts and smaller employers, which is so important to get these apprenticeship standards are not created by large organizations. They're done in a partnership to get the right things so that the standard works for everyone. And the data one is what I believe the numbers are encouraging of the number of people starting the data technician is that they're coming from all sorts of different roles and careers, whether they're working in marketing, whether they're working in retail as well. It's just that data is a great benefit. And for those with this skill, they can do so much with it and also really add value to any employer and also get some personal satisfaction themselves in able to be able to take what is public data that's around. We also see the Office of the National Statistics or the Institute itself published huge amounts of data and then other skills to pull out the relevant and important parts. And also with the data technician, we put something in there about storytelling, one of the ways to present data. If you go more in depth and detail, data can become very, very statistical in all those presentations. But what we did was we put module in, which talks about storytelling, which is you've got some data, but what you need to do, and what we want the apprentices to do with the standard is to be able to tell the story and to tell it to many audiences. It's always easier if you present something, if they see it and can understand it, they can always ask more questions. If you go too detailed too early, they could be switched off. So it's sort of like bringing data alive. And I think with the pandemic and things, there was so much data that we were all seeing. We were there waiting to see what the latest numbers were, the interpretation of those, the data that was available on the COVID cases and things. I think that's where probably a lot of people saw data on an everyday basis. All that was being collated all the time, different spreadsheets and being done and presented in a way that in the pandemic, we saw the daily briefings and stuff, whatever Chris Whitty and the next slide. That was all data that was being brought in there, but they had to. And I think when I used to look at some of them, I think "Mm, maybe that is too much. But some of the slides and stuff there, you thought that's really interesting data. And all that data was available for people to have a look at. 
Yeah. Do you know, as you were speaking, I was thinking about those presentations, those daily briefings and that whole next slide, please. And thinking about how sometimes that felt for me like real data overload. There's something almost manipulative about that amount of data being presented that was hiding the really important message in it somewhere. I think that's true. And I think sometimes some of them you thought, that's a lot of information there. What is the, the key point? And the learning providers are actually providing is that bit of actually, yeah, there's the big data, that's the backup information you need. But what do you want to tell people? Because usually you want people to do something as a result of it. And obviously, in the pandemic, they wanted us to have certain behaviours to not do things. So it's sort of like to interpret it. But yes, there was a lot of data. And the next slide has become part of the language, which Ultimately, I suppose what I'd love is the data technician apprentices to actually be presenting information that is really accessible to everyone and that other people can think, that's interesting. I wonder what else I could learn about it. Yeah. So thinking about the whole world of apprenticeships that you've been immersed in as you've been working on bringing this particular standard alive and also others, I know, over the course of your career, there's still something attached to that word apprentice and apprenticeship, isn't there, that has some degree of sort of, I want to say prejudice, which is a very strong word, but some sort of assumption about what an apprentice is and its value versus some of the more academic routes, so the university routes, those kind of things. What would you say to that? Yep, it's still there. Sometimes it's perceived by teachers, parents as well, because they'll be using their own experiences of thinking 20, 30 years ago, an apprenticeship was an option for those leaving school at 16, and they would go off into the world of manufacturing, they become plumbers and those sort of occupations. I think what we have is that the apprenticeship word is not going. It's just really that people to explore and open their minds. And I think apprentices themselves are, are getting through it. They understand what it's about. It's about giving them some really good skills to progress their own careers and learn. And I don't think they get so hung up about it as others do. But there is still this importance. And I think it will take time. It's going to take another generation. As we see the number of apprenticeships go up, as we see a bit of a change in the number of people potentially going to university, apprenticeships will become more mainstream and people will start to understand it. But there's a lot to do with education, with teachers, with parents, and also with employers as well to really understand more about it and actually learn what an apprenticeship is. And one of the things is, is when employers look at the depth and detail of what is actually studied, they actually go, wow, that's quite a lot of detail. And the process we go through, we do the endpoint assessment is carried out as well. So it's all done in a very controlled and, and professional way that it's actually, it's right for business, it's right for the apprenticeships and it's right for the country. Yeah, and so many organisations have levy pots that sit there unused, don't they? Or underutilised, if you like, across that space. I wonder what advice you might offer those organisations to make more use of that accessibility to training like this for their workplace? I think with larger employers, as we know, the sort of the levy gets paid by those organisations. I think it hasn't changed. It's over the three million payroll bill. They have got options which the Institute allows for them to actually help provide, use their levy money if they can't use it all themselves, but to actually utilise that levy money to help other employers to actually give opportunities for other apprenticeships through other routes as well so that they can utilize and use their funding or use apprenticeship levy money to actually divert it to other employers as well which is a great opportunity and that was one of the feedbacks that employers with larger employers were saying we can't use all of it but we'd like to support others and that is there so there's more detail on the apprenticeship website about how that all works but that's certainly something that is seeing more uptake of that now with more businesses yeah 
Just coming back to the subject of data then and thinking about that under the lens of leadership, I guess if you think about emerging leaders, I don't know, I'm in my first leadership role, I'm newly promoted into it. I've got a team of people who are working with me who perhaps I was one of them only a few weeks ago. And now I'm elevated into my first leadership role. And I suddenly have access to data that I've never seen before from my organization. I'm not really sure what to do with it. How might that help somebody coming into their first leadership role, do you think, to really start to make decisions in a better informed way? It's a really interesting question and sort of talking about that move into leadership. Well, I've got evidence in sort of stuff that other employers have shared with me that one of the things they were doing with the data technician, because it's down, is it could potentially take 24 months, but probably it would be completed probably, I think, in 16 months as well, that they put their newly appointed managers onto the data technician apprenticeship standard because they saw that as people move in their careers into those leadership roles, they will be presented with huge amounts of data and also um, be needing to interpret the data, do different things with the data, maybe merge the data. So employers, and I've got one, two, three examples in my head of organizations that have actually done that and given it to their newly appointed managers to actually put it in their toolkit to think, right, we're investing in you. Here's something, invest in this yourself, and then you will be able to become the wizard. And one of the great things is it's not when you look at how the data technician standard is put together, it's not all in huge different software packages and things. It's in things like Excel, which we all use day in, day out. We've all had people where, and I still do, when people just sort of say, yeah, I'll do that in Excel. And sort of like three or four minutes later, they've manipulated data, pivot table, done something else, merged some data as well. And this is what the standard does. It gives them those tools. And what better way to have your employer supporting you in your journey to become a leader to actually give you some skills there. So interesting. Do you know, one of the guests that I spoke to last season was talking about digital literacy and the work that she's doing around working with organizations and government bodies to impact the lack of digital literacy in so much of our population, actually. And this is resonating with me in that area. There's something about how not just for young people or school leavers or as an alternate to university education, but actually... What about other parts of our workforce who haven't had the opportunity to use some of the technology that you're talking about, even things like Excel, for example, in a basic way, and who find that quite frightening? Like, wh- What might this do to support them in that area, do you think? I think it will. I think that what's contained in it, and I look at the standard as well and think that would be really useful to do and sort of like people managing their own finances and stuff to do some stuff to actually look at it and take it from just adding a a column up as well but actually to sort of do some projections and also illustrate what answers they have and also utilize it to just sort of like collect information from the web take some information put it into a table think wonder what the best option is for my holiday this year compare sort of six different options of a holiday and think well this one will cost this much for the accommodation, but it's going to cost me more to get there and things. So you could build it there. And I think it's just some of those things, that, a bit of data, a bit of technology, and can help people in their day-to-day lives and they start to use it. And I think we see those people planning for their weddings. They have spreadsheets now, don't they? They have spreadsheets with lots of tabs, different information, how much they're spending, how the budget's going as well. So people are using it. And I think there's a lot out there. And obviously, the data technician standard is not going to be for everyone. But there is lots of information out there on the web as well to self-teach as well. And we do find that those coming into the workforce as well have self-taught some of it. So when they do 
uh, and apprenticeship standards as some modules or sections. They'll be further ahead already because they've sort of done some teaching themselves. So there's lots of information out there. But what the apprenticeship standards can do is actually distill it all down into something. These are relevant. Invest your time in this because this is what employers will be looking for. Yeah. When we think about the level of employment at the moment in the UK and in England in particular, I guess, because we're talking about the apprenticeships, we're at peak levels of employment, aren't we? Organisations are competing for talent in a really tight marketplace for that. We've been talking, haven't we, for the last sort of year or so about this so-called great resignation, about employees who haven't moved roles through the pandemic who suddenly find themselves very sought after in the market. How might this level of investment in apprenticeships, for example, and in the data space, how might that help? an organisation position themselves in a really strong place for that talent gap? I think, yeah, we are at the sort of that stage of, sort of full employment. And I think employers are going to need to offer additional skills for staff. And also, I think that sometimes there's that holistic view of actually providing skills and that employees will move on. They will. I think we are in that stage where younger people will be having multiple careers. But I think for any employer, actually equipping them, they're actually investing in them to actually invest because we're all, as I call it, UK PLC. But if we can retain those skills within the country itself, that's going to benefit, I think, as well. So I think employers need to be open to actually think, yes, full employment does create its own challenges, but then you need to lead yourself and have your organisation as being the option that you can continue to learn and will invest in you for the future as well. Mm. Do you think that organisations are doing enough to promote that this is part of their offering? I'm just thinking about how is this covered by the press or how do organisations bring this into the sort of public awareness? Because we don't seem to be moving forward with it as much as maybe we might have been able to do. Yeah, I think one of the things that you can link with apprenticeships, with the apprenticeship and the way that it works, there is one good thing. Because a lot of employers will put out for we will train you, we will develop you, we will do. But sometimes reality and how business pressures are, it doesn't happen. However, with the apprenticeship, You've got to make it. It's got to happen. That learning will happen. You've signed up to an apprenticeship. An employer's signed up as well. The responsibility is to give that 20% off the job training as well. So I think that's where employers need to validate their commitment. And I like the way that the apprenticeship standard does that because it actually puts it down in writing. It has to be done. It's auditable. It's checked. You cannot take apprenticeship levy money, which is paid for by UK taxpayers, you have to use it in a structured way. But, and and as I said, it is the way that you get something done in a structured way. The money is used and the learning takes place as well. But learning is a challenge and what makes employers have to look at what makes them different to actually what they do to develop and obviously giving people opportunities to learn and keep upskilling because things are different. There are options in apprenticeship to get up to master's level is a, a fantastic achievement that opportunities that just would not have been available for a lot of people. They would have never had the capability to do a degree or a master's qualification. And it's great to see that some have started that from an entry into an organisation, starting on maybe a level three, and then go up, as I said before, to go up and do a degree and master's is great. So it's a bit of levelling up. And also what it does is create some great social mobility for people as well. Oh, yeah. Let's say more about that, because that's interesting, isn't it? So from the point of view of social mobility, how does this style of learning or training that's provided through an organisation contribute to that, do you think? I think it does because it's in a structured way and it's a formal way. And one of the important things is for employers to get behind what does level three, level four, five, six, seven. What does it mean, those terms? And what it means for the social mobility is that someone's done a level six apprenticeship. Well, that's the same as someone who's done a degree because it's been assessed. 
through the Department of Education have said that that is equal to a degree if the geography is in history or law is the equivalent. So that will give someone parity to when they're employing. If it says you would need to be degree qualified, they think I've done my level six apprenticeship. That gives me the same options. They may have done it in a different route. They've learned and learned at the same time. But that is so important, I think, and that is uh, one of the great things of the apprenticeships. And it's just, again, as I've said, employers recognising what those standards mean. And it'll be great to see adverts and things come up to say, instead of saying you will have a degree, it will say you will have a level four apprenticeship. And they can think, I've got that. I can do that. I can do that job, not the degree or the five GCSEs as it used to be. It will change. And I hope to see that that will change in the future because an employer should be able to look at it and think they've done it. It's been done through accredited learning providers, etc. And they should know that if they've done level four or level five, level six, this is what I know I'll get. This is what they should be capable of. Yeah. I mean, in the delivery that I've personally been involved with in the world of apprenticeships, I have seen life-changing learning from people who've gone through it. I really mean that. I don't say that lightly. Skills that have impacted not just on their working life, but on the knowledge and skills they're able to share with their families and their loved ones. And there's something incredibly practical about this, isn't there? It spreads outside of the workplace. It does. Just on some of my experience in working with apprentices, they do the day job, they do their job and they do it very well, but they do other things. The pride they have of actually coming through the apprenticeship journey, the apprentice recently won an award, and then they're doing stuff with women into technology and stuff as well, on sort of like doing external stuff as well. They do stuff in their community, help their, their friends and family as well. They do the study, they do the apprenticeship, but they just do all these other things as well, which is for the greater good for the wider society. I'm thinking about how I have an alternative of, I can go to university, I can study for three years, I'm going to come out with a very large amount of student debt attached to that experience and a wonderful experience, no doubt. I absolutely believe in that as a learning experience and the alternative, which perhaps I haven't considered, is also then three years of work experience in the area that I'm interested in, a degree level qualification potentially again still with a strong academic learning provider and the practical skills that come with it and a salary for three years and I'm three years ahead of the competitors coming from university in terms of practical experience from an employer employability point of view it sort of makes perfect sense doesn't it it does I bumped into level three apprentices three years on and I said, what are you doing? She said, well, I've been early and I've done my apprenticeship and stuff. So I'm sort of 21. So my employer is allowing me to take a sabbatical for six months. So I'm going off traveling. And they've got their job to come back to. They've had the three years. They've saved a lot of money. They've not gone to university. But they're still going to do that six months around the world traveling, which was quite nice, really, to think, well, there we are. You didn't do the university route, but you're still exploring some of the things, that, that gap year sort of stuff that a lot of students would do before they go to university. But they did that. And it's... Another option for people as well, I think one of the great things that they do create is an alternative. Yes, it is going straight into work rather than going into university, but you're still doing learning at the same time and capturing them while they've already just come out of learning. And an apprenticeship learning is a bit different than actually in the classroom because you're just sort of learning so much in the day to day because you're actually doing the job. Yeah, and that's the key, isn't it? Keep coming back to it. It's super practical. It's hands-on learning and the assessment is evidence of that learning rather than it simply being an exam. So perhaps that suits some people better as well in terms of the whole examination route of it. Yeah, and we all probably in past experiences, some of those listening today will probably think, well, I was very good because I could swat up and do it and they could perform an exam. And some people can't perform an exam. And this is that portfolio 
of work that they've done is just great that they can have that on the shelf it's ready and they can always refer back to it as well rather than just that and exam although as we know in the standards there is different methods of the endpoint assessment and some of that depending on standards will be could be test questions etc but it mixes it up it's not just in that two three hour exam all, all decisions aren't made then so what's next then do you think for this i mean you're still very closely aligned to developments in this area and i know that it's an area of real ongoing passion for you how do you see this moving forward in terms of the way that the delivery of this will develop damien i think with sort of standards i think one of the things that we've got to do the institute for apprenticeships needs to do is to refresh revitalize and relook at them so the, the data detection standard went live, I think, in July 2020. We just looked at the latest numbers, and the numbers are up, I think, September on September, as we expected, are 300% up, which is great to hear. But what we do need to do is to revisit it as well. So they should keep me as the Trailblazer Chair to sort of say, when do we need to review it? What we can do is that employers can, if they've got any feedback or they want to get involved in help shaping the next version of the Data Technician Apprenticeship Standard, go to the Institute's website, look up Data Technician, and they can let me know. That's the way that they can get involved and let me know what it needs to be because those listening may have learners on it and they may have feedback as well unless we get that feedback we use our learning providers we use endpoint assessors but also employers are very valuable because they may have feedback from their apprentices as well to say that module i think that needs to be updated we need to know what needs to be changed and it will go through a thorough review with the institute to make sure everything's right yeah it strikes me in particular in this field of technical developments which are maybe outpacing the Institute of Apprenticeships in terms of the way that that is reviewed. That's really important, isn't it, that you're hearing from employers and learners about where things have moved on at a pace? Yeah. Yeah. And I know some stuff will, but there is some stuff that won't. Excel spreadsheets have been around a long time. They're still going to be around in years to come. It's something that is there. And as people do, they reflect back and think that's still there. Those requirements will still be there. So I think the core of it is right. It just may need some tweaks as it goes forward. But then that's with everything, isn't it? As any business is doing it, they're tweaking their business model, looking at the other opportunities as well. So it's just responding to feedback. Yeah. So in closing, I guess it would be really interesting to hear from you a couple of thoughts. Firstly, to an organisation thinking about investing in either the data technician level three or other standards for emerging leaders, for existing workforce, what would you say to them in terms of how to best implement that in their organization implement it for the right reasons it's implementing it to understand what the standard will do and ensure that those that you want to do it get the opportunity to do it one of the most important things is to actually match what's in the standard with what the role is going to be because that's where the most satisfaction comes from the apprentice as well to say i'm learning this and i apply it in my day-to-day role so really think about what the role is don't think there's a role there or we could use an apprenticeship to do that it's to actually think what is that role that we need to fill what is the best apprenticeship standard to do it and maybe modify the roles to actually think that will work even better for us with the apprenticeship standard that supports it as well so i think it's just really look into it in detail because if you get it right the business will get the benefits and the apprentice will be more satisfied with what they've got in their employer yeah That makes perfect sense. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts on all of that with us today. That's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for joining me. Lovely. Thank you very much, Claire. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode of Unlocking Leadership, you can subscribe through all the regular podcast channels. And please do leave us a rating and review there. 
We'd also love you to share any episodes you found interesting on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, or wherever, so that others can join the conversation and share their experiences. This podcast was made in association with Cornell. It was produced and edited by Nick Hilton for Podo.